the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesse Smollett, call your office. You remember Jesse, uh, the guy who pulled off one of the most amateurish hoaxes of all time in Chicago last year. We might have another one on our hands here with Bubba Wallace. He's the only black driver in NASCAR. And there were reports that a noose was found in his garage at Talladega Racetrack over the weekend. The usual outrage ensued, and there, of course, there should be outrage for something like that. But because of Jussie Smollett and several other cases of hoaxes like this, uh, claims like this are looked at with a certain amount of skepticism. That was my reaction immediately. But you have to be very careful with this stuff like this because just doubting it is going to be interpreted by most of the media as diminishing it. And, of course, then you become a racist if you do doubt it. But I thought Jussie was pulling a hoax right from the beginning, and I had serious doubts about this one, but I kept my mouth shut. Now some research has been done, and apparently every or just about every uh, garage at the racetrack there in Talladega has what looks like a noose hanging from the garage door. It's a little rope with a loop on it, you know, where you can put your hand in and pull the door down. The website uh, called the Conservative Treehouse did some investigating and showed with pictures and videos that just about every garage door has one of those ropes hanging from it. And a video from last year showed one hanging from the door on Bubba's garage back in fall of 2019. And a picture taken in the last couple of days shows that the rope for Bubba's garage door this weekend did not have what looks like a little noose on it because the rope had been cut. And now after a really nice demonstration yesterday by the other drivers at the track who helped uh, push Bubba Wallace's car to the front of the line, there are some questions about this one, and Bubba Wallace was asked about it on The View today. Yeah, just like uh, Steve Phelps said, it offends me that people would go to those measures. But again, I'm not shocked. Uh, People are entitled to their own opinion to make them feel good, whatever, make them help them sleep at night. Um, But it is still an ongoing investigation with the FBI. I can now say I've talked to the FBI. Never thought that would happen. Um, But it's just uh, it's just unfortunate circumstances and in a terrible time that we're in right now. Year 2020 will be one year to for sure forget um, moving forward. But, you know, it's, it's, it's simple-minded people like that, the ones that are afraid of change. Um, they, they use everything in their power to defend what they stand up for. And instead of trying to listen and understand uh, what's going on, and, and like I said, it's still an ongoing investigation. We're still trying to figure out whoever did this crazy act of trying to – pinpoint it on somebody and, and just go through it all so it's you know i think it was better for me not to see it directly i don't know how i would have reacted um but it's all in their hands now the fbi's hands to to go through everything and try to figure it out sorry i'm not saying that bubba wallace is the one perpetrating a hoax here but i am not buying this one sorry doesn't mean that it's not possible that someone actually did go to the trouble of making a noose and putting it somewhere near bobby's garage but Because so many of these have turned out to be hoaxes, I'm going with a lot of skepticism here, and I'm going to need more evidence to prove that it's true. Right now, it looks like it's not. We'll see. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk to someone from the Independent Women's Law Center about the ramifications of uh, last week's Supreme Court ruling on transgender rights and how that's going to affect girls and women's sports. My big question, of course, is will makeup be required for the men who want to compete against women? Stick around.
As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place. The film about Corey Ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers' heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corey's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes Return to the Hiding Place, the untold behind-the-scenes true story of Corey's secret army of student teenagers' efforts to rescue Jewish people. Told by Hans Poli, one of Corey's teens in the resistance, Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground's true breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Reese davies Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code MOVIE. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com, promo code MOVIE. Due to historical content, might not be suitable for younger audiences. Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Steigerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything, co-pays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784 884 1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. Gold. It's soaring. Are you missing it? If you have an IRA or 401k, you probably are. Less than 1% hold physical gold. We've been told by Wall Street it's for crazy people. Really? What's crazy about an asset that beats stocks two to one? I'm Adam Barada, national best-selling author of the book, Gold is a Better Way, owner of Advantage Gold, an Inc. 5000 member, and highest-rated gold IRA firm in the world. Gold is booming because gold is really about debt, and global debt is a pandemic. If you have an IRA or 401k, I want to give you my book for free. That's right, free. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Learn why gold will outperform pumped-up stocks from this point forward. Turn your IRA into a wealth growth machine. Just call 800-900-8000. It's time to stop being crazy. Call 800-900-8000. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Last week, the court, the Supreme Court ruled that employers could not discriminate on basis of uh, gender identity, which dealt with Title VII from the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that outlawed discrimination on the basis of sex, which of course meant man or woman back then. It doesn't mean that anymore, and that could cause big problems for women and girls in sports. Jennifer Braceras is the director of Independent Women's Law Center. She joins us now. Jennifer, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So were you surprised by the Supreme Court's ruling on uh, Bostick versus Clayton County? I was. I was very surprised, actually. Um mainly because I thought it was a pretty open-and-shut case of statutory interpretation. Um, The law, as you know, prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex. It was passed in 1964, and virtually everyone alive at that time understood sex to mean biological sex, male or female. Um, So I was a little surprised by the ruling, well, very surprised, and particularly surprised at the way they reached the results. Would it would it rise to the level of shocking for you and other people who who uh, were involved in this issue? Uh, yeah, it was shocking to me for a number of reasons, um, mainly because I just don't understand how a committed textualist like Justice Gorsuch uh, got to this ruling without contorting himself into a pretzel. Um, and I have a lot of concerns about. Uh, how his methodology and his reasoning will be applied outside the employment context in other areas. Mm-hmm. 
And why would anybody with an interest in, in promoting women's sports be in favor of this? You, you would think that um, uh, I know that I know why trans people who are interested in, in uh, promoting uh, transgenderism and and uh, or are considered uh, are concerned about them being treated equally in their mind. But mm-hmm. the peop- But but how could anybody who knows anything about sports and women? think that this is good for women in sports. I, I, that's what gets me. So I, I honestly look at this as an unforeseen consequence. I mean, we saw it coming down the pike as a potential consequence, but of all the briefs filed in the United States Supreme Court, we were the only ones that mentioned the impact that this could potentially have on Title IX and women's sports. Um, none of the other briefs brought that up. And so I just don't think people were thinking about it. I mean, Justice Alito seized upon it in oral argument and in his dissent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gratified to see that he read our brief. But I think most people were just thinking about uh, how this affects transgender employees in the workplace. And this is really the whole reason that we don't want courts making law, because even if you agree with the policy outcome, even if you agree that federal anti-discrimination law should protect people from being fired if they change their gender identity, by having the court do that rather than Congress, the court writes, you know, paints with a broad brush, and their interpretation of the meaning of sex now applies to every aspect of federal law, whereas if Congress or a, a local policymaking body or a state legislature were to take this up, they would be able to consider the various circumstances and the different interests at stake in each setting, whether it's housing, employment, sports, education, and they could make accommodations for religious objectors or female athletes, right? They could think about all the nuances. The court's don't do that. The courts only address the issue, the case before them. And so this is exactly why we don't want courts making law. So was it a bad, I mean, Gorsuch uh, and uh, Roberts, both conservatives, supposedly, at least in the case of Roberts, um, they uh, would be expected to rule in, this was supposed to go your way. So uh, is it a bad ruling or is it is it based on the law? They just do the only thing they could do. Did, no, you say he twisted himself into a pretzel. Ruling. I think it's a very bad ruling. I think there was a lot of contorting into a pretzel because what Justice Gorsuch did is he tried to he tried to fit a square peg in a round hole, right? He tried to say, okay, I'm going to be a textualist. I'm going to look at the statute, and I agree that the term because of sex in the statute refers to biological sex. But I, Justice Gorsuch, am going to be completely literal about what that means. And so I'm going to say that any time somebody makes a decision where they even consider biological sex, that that is discrimination because of sex. So in other words, because you can't think about a transgender person without thinking about what their biological sex was at birth. Um, if you fire a person because they're transgender, Justice Gorsuch says you are firing them on the basis of sex. Yeah, the that problem is a kind with of a... that analysis is that traditionally anti-discrimination law in America looked at um, whether one a member of one group was treated less favorably than a member of another group. In other words, are men treated more favorably than women, or are women disadvantaged in this workplace. Um, It's never been the case that we've said employers can't make any decisions on the basis of biological sex, right? Because, I mean, employers can have male bathrooms and female bathrooms, right? They They can have a dress code that says women have to wear skirts. Um, mm-hmm. They could have a dress code that says men have to have short hair, right? We've, we've never in this country outlawed distinctions on the basis of sex. We've said people have to be treated equally, but we've never said they have to be treated the same. And Justice Gorsuch has said they have to be treated the same. So 
I wasn't going to go in this direction, but now that you bring it up, if uh, would it be uh, impossible now for an employer to tell me that you know I'm working uh, at a business and I decide I want to come in with shoulder length hair or a, or a long ponytail? Does this now uh, f- prevent him, her, the, the the boss, from telling me that I we we don't want that? You got you got to clean that up. We, you know we 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 don't like that look. Uh, for men, so I think this rule, I think this ruling calls all of that into question, um, and these are the cases that in the next decade are going to be flooding our federal courts um, mm-hmm. to test the limits of this ruling. Uh, I think you know the ruling opened a can of worms in that respect. We don't need to be litigating all of these matters and making a federal case out of them, um, but because he did it the way he did, it's going to be very complicated and. You know, I'm a conservative. I don't believe judges should make law, but it would have been more honest and it would have been more um, easy to implement if the court had just said, you know what, we're going to update the statute and we're going to say that transgenders, you know, and and gay and lesbian Americans are included in the statute. Because if they did that and they didn't change the meaning of the word sex, then it would have only applied to the circumstances of the workplace that would have been more honest because that's that's actually really what they were doing they just tried to be too clever by half mm-hmm. uh, we're talking to jennifer brosera she's the director of independent women's law center um jennifer attorney general Barr said uh pretty quickly after this decision came down that he doesn't think it negates the recent ruling by the education department uh, that said that forcing females to compete against males violates Title IX. So he doesn't think this blows that uh, ruling that that uh, that women were celebrating uh, a week or so ago. He, this, right. he doesn't think this blows it out of the water, do you? Well, none of us want it to, right? And I mm-hmm. think he's a politician, and so you know, part of his job is to prevent the law from going in that direction. But an honest reading of what the court did, um, I, I don't see how it could come out any other way. Because um, Title IX, just like Title VII, says you can't discriminate on the basis of sex. Well, Title VII, Title VII uses the word because of sex. Title IX uses the phrase on the basis of sex. But it means the same thing. So if you're, if you're going to say, as the court did, that you cannot consider biology at all when making a decision about men and women in the workplace, courts are going to say you can't consider biology at all when making a decision about men and women in athletics. Um, I, you know, I don't see how you could make an exception. So here's the thing I've been wondering about. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering now that it's been, that this uh, ruling has come down. Uh, is makeup required for boys and men uh, to try out for girls and women's teams? I mean, um, right <laughs> well, it's not now required you see. For women, so. Pardon me. Well, it's not required for women. So no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, uh, right now, uh, when you see a transgender uh, woman, a biological man, playing, I, I saw a picture last week of a, a what's supposed to be a, a woman's uh, a rugby game match. And mm-hmm. one one of the players on the uh, uh, on one of the teams was looked at a, a gigantic player, and it was supposed to be a female, which obviously it wasn't. But um, uh, you know, the, she, this this person had a a feminine look about her, him. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, made. My, my, I guess what I'm getting, trying to get around to here is. Do I have to show up in a dress uh, with eye makeup on uh, when I say that I'm identifying as a, a female now, or do I just show up and uh, I can look right. the same I as I did yesterday? Yeah. yeah, so that's actually a very good question, because before this case came down, all of the talk about this had to do with transgender athletes who were mm-hmm. born male and uh, became female and wanted to participate on women's athletic teams. That's what all the discussion was about um, in the courts and in the press. Because of the way Justice Gorsuch, you know, worded his opinion and because of his reasoning, 
Um, the threat to women's sports is actually much greater than that. The threat to women's sports is that any man um, can come and try out for the team. So let me give you an example. Let's say a man, a male college student, is a very good athlete but not good enough to play Division One lacrosse at his college. But that person is probably still much better than the female Division One lacrosse players at that college. If that person goes, that boy, and tries out for the women's lacrosse team and is better than all the girls on the team, which he probably will be, and the coach denies him a position because he's a male, that conflicts with Justice Gorsuch's reasoning in this case. Yeah, and so he, he then claims that I decided yesterday that I'm, uh, I'm going to live my life as a woman. And, uh... No, 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 he doesn't even have to say that. He just has to, armed with this decision, he can say, I'd really like to play lacrosse in college. I'm a boy. I'm an athlete. Not a good enough athlete to be on the men's team, but I sure as hell I'm a lot better than the, than the girls on the women's team. So I want to play there. I want to play so this... on a co-ed team. I want to make a co-ed team. So, so um, the transgender uh, factor disappears. Oh yeah, that's the least uh, of it now. <laughs> that's the least of it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is now. The, the, I wonder if do, do I can't believe that people who are involved in girls and women's sports um, don't see this coming. And they didn't a kid just see it for coming at all. Look, when I was in high school, I, I was enough of an idiot just for laughs. I might have said, you know what, I'm not good enough to make the uh, the uh, the boys lacrosse team, but I sure as hell could play for the girls. I think I'll go down there and play just to, just for laughs, just to make fun of it. Who's going to stop me? Well, nobody. I mean, here's here's where it's really going to play out in, in field hockey. Because in America, field hockey is a girls' and women's sport. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily. In the rest of the world, in Europe and South America and Africa and Asia, men play field hockey. Um, so there are lots of children of immigrants, men in this country, who play field hockey. They grew up with it because their parents played it. Um, they're not allowed to compete on women's teams, um, nor are, you know, n- no boys are, um, mm-hmm. except there are boys now who are interested in field hockey and are trying to play on women's teams. And if you Google it, you'll see all over the country this has been an issue. Um, And different local communities handle it differently depending on the situation. Frankly, that's how I think it should be. I think in some cases it's fine. In some cases it's not. Um, So, for example, there was a team in Massachusetts that didn't have a goalie and wasn't going to be able to field a team at all. Um, and a boy from the ice hockey team stepped up and said, hey, I'll get in net for you, and played for them. Everybody in the town was okay with that, and I think that was okay. Um, But in other cases, there are boys coming out and trying out for field hockey, like you said, for fun, because they don't have a fall sport, or, you know, as a joke, um, or just because, you know, they like the sport. And when boys make the team... They are taking a roster spot away from a girl. Yeah, that's the big thing. I, I'm, I'm out of time. I've got about 30 seconds here. Uh, this basically just uh, blows the whole idea of having separate teams out of the water eventually, doesn't it? Well, I hope it doesn't because I hope that Congress amends the statute to explicitly mm-hmm. say that we can have sex segregation in, in athletic competitions. Um, so hopefully that will not happen. Um, but that is the very real risk, and that is the can of worms that the Supreme Court has opened up. Well, the stupidity is is absolutely spectacular in this whole thing. It's just beyond belief. Hey, Jennifer, I really appreciate you being on. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Okay, that's Jennifer Braceros, Director, Independent Women's Law Center, and we'll be right back. Well, that's RN News. I'm John Scott. President Trump visiting the wall under construction at the U.S.-Mexico border and will remind voters of one of his key 2016 promises. He'll be marking the construction of more than 200 miles of border wall, and the president later will address a group of young Republicans at a megachurch in Phoenix. Congress hitting an impasse on policing legislation. 
Despite public outcry for changes, Senate Democrats opposing a Republican proposal, they're calling it inadequate. Now the standoff is forcing the parties to decide whether to negotiate a compromise or walk away from an issue that has sparked mass demonstrations. Technology companies were high on the leaderboard today again on Wall Street. As the winning streak was extended, the Dow gained 131 points. The Nasdaq, 74 points higher, and the S&P up 13. This is SRN News. It's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain, straining and bloating again and again. No way. Maybe it's occasional constipation. Maybe it's not. You could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclotide, is a prescription that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com, sponsored by Allergan and Iron. Larry Elder explains the talk. I, as a young black boy, had what some people call the talk with my parents about how I should behave if and when I am stopped by the police. Now, I must have missed the part where after my mom and my dad told me, be polite, cooperate fully, I must have missed the part where they then added, resist violently, and if possible, run. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Allegheny County's economy has been hard hit by the coronavirus pandemic. It's struggling to meet its revenue needs. Mandatory lockdowns and government-designated non-essential businesses have produced a massive surge in unemployment. Scholars at the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy say the county may have to tap fund reserves and resort to furloughs to make ends meet. Learn more about this and other topics at AlleghenyInstitute.org. Now celebrating 25 years of proposing sound public policy Descriptions. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer. Giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet. And being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Got a crash on the inbound Parkway West, tied up Carnegie down to Green Tree Road. That's about a five-minute delay. Also another couple of minutes as you approach the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Parkway East, that's a five-minute delay outbound. Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound, also really heavy. Past Edgewood, Swissvale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Stanwick Street to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Altogether, another 10 minutes through all of that. 380 and Shady an accident near Moorwood Avenue. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Following an evening shower or thunderstorm, clouds will break. Tonight's low, 56. Clouds and sunshine tomorrow with a shower or thunderstorm, high 75. Cloudy tomorrow night, low 56. Thursday, clouds and sun with a shower or thunderstorm in spots, high 76. And sunshine and some clouds on Friday, high 81. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show. 
on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, in our last segment, we talked about the absurdity created by the Supreme Court's decision on sex discrimination and what it could do to women's sports. Uh, now it's on to a different absurdity. The headline of the, uh, the, uh, on, the Washington, on the Washington Post on the column uh, reads this way, The anti-statue movement has taken a turn into absurdity. And it was written by Henry Olson of the Washington Post. He joins us now. Henry, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So uh, what has the, um, the tearing down of statues been a precursor to throughout history? It's usually a precursor to some sort of revolutionary moment, that when you're tearing statues down, it's usually a sign that normal politics have broke down, and it's either a celebration of victory from a revolution or an anticipation of one. Mm-hmm. And it's been, the, it's been the case for good revolutions and bad ones, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and uh, the Patriots, uh, not, not the New England Patriots, but us, you know, the American revolutionaries yeah. took on King George. One of the things they did was pull down King George's statues because it represented tyranny and that they did throughout the American Revolution whenever they controlled a city that had that. And so uh, it's just a symbol that uh, they want to remove the past and remove the bonds that that stat symbolized that they feel are unjust. So when you see people tearing down statues of George Washington and Ulysses S. Grant, this isn't about a simple call for equality within the American Republic. This is an attack on the American Republic. Right. Well, statues to uh, heroes of the Confederacy seem to be the the main target and and, and, uh, and seem to be a legitimate target. But what about the argument that some, even some of those statues were erected as a sign of reconciliation, and uh, to take them now is kind of taking them out of context. I think that, yeah, I think, first of all, I don't think that statues should be being pulled down. I think the question of the Confederacy is something that needs to be addressed by our elected representatives. And they were elected, you know, there was a lot of attempt at reconciliation 100 years or 150 years ago, and that was good. Uh, but there's also a new assent need to reconcile ourselves to a purely equal racial uh, balance and uh, means a renegotiation, I think, of the continued construction, or not construction, maintenance of these Confederate statues. Those should be done through politics, not by mob violence. Mm -hmm. Should should we be wondering why these uh, statues, the ones uh, that people are most upset with, um, the Confederate statues, should we be wondering why they've lasted so long, even more than why they went up in the first place? Yeah, it, some of it, I think, is just inertia, and some of it is that it has. The meaning, I think, has changed for many people over time, that what once might have been a statement during the Jimbo era that uh, the Confederacy doesn't exist, but the spirit lives on, became a sense of we can be proud even though we lost. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have that discussion and our representatives shouldn't be looking at where it's appropriate to remove those statutes where either the populace of the locality or the broader populace of the state finds them uh, offensive. But it has to be done through politics, not mob violence. A friend of mine brought up an interesting point to me the other day, uh, talking about uh, Colin Kaepernick's name came up and, and um, you know, the, all the discussion about what's going to happen when the NFL season starts, if there is one, when the anthem is played and, and players uh, making known what they plan to do during the anthem. And, uh, and he said, who ha-, because a lot of the people who uh, could try to make a case for the Confederate statue standing up, uh, staying up, who has dis- who um, d- disrespected the American flag more than Robert E. Lee did? You know, <laughs> well, particularly since that's we a pretty good point. I think the Union Army and turned it down to go join the secession. Right. And, right. Um, yeah, it's just it's very hard to to see that. Uh, I think, but again, yeah, I I think this is something that needs to be handled through politics. There will be plenty of places where uh, states, I think, will want to remove those, particularly things in the capital. I think there's also places where there aren't very many African Americans, uh, where maintaining them is more of a matter of local pride than a matter of uh, racial dominance. And I think 
these things should be discussed rather than imposed in one way or another. What does the toppling of, you mentioned uh, George Washington, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, by the way, there's a great, uh, there's a great documentary series, three-part series on uh, Ulysses S. Grant uh, up on the History Channel right now, which I just watched. I learned a lot of things about him I didn't know. But anyway, uh, what does um, the toppling of statues to people like him and George Washington have to say about the knowledge of American history? Uh, and and also the nuances of uh, you know uh, nuances of slavery and and racial discrimination 100 or 200 years ago and how people you know the way people thought then compared to now it's expecting is it, was it expecting too much of people 200 years ago to think the way we do now? Well, whether they was expecting too much or not, the fact is they didn't. The fact is Washington was deeply conflicted about slavery, and I believe he freed his slaves after his death in his will. But did, the fact yeah. also is is that the regime that he created is one that was dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And it's that proposition that lets us see people who aren't of our own tribe, our own religion, our own race, as equals. And that's what allows us to have a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-religious, free country rather than one where one group tyrannizes over the other. So to expect perfection in modern eyes of everyone in the past is to expect something that's never existed. We're talking to Henry Olson. He's a columnist at the Washington Post. He has a column up uh, today that says the anti-statue movement has taken a turn into absurdity. Uh, and I've been asking this question, uh, Henry. This is not necessarily uh, on the same subject as your column, but um, it kind of is. Where are the cops, or where is somebody to arrest the people who are toppling statues? I mean, what does it say that people have been able to get away with doing it without being arrested? What's going on there? Well, I think that's very sad. Uh, I think it says something about the leadership of those police departments, whether it's the police or their political masters. You know, one can imagine that it's difficult to patrol every statue in a city and still maintain a police force that's patrolling against normal levels of crime. But nevertheless, you know, that uh, time and time again, these things seem to happen without any retribution. And yesterday here in Washington, people tried to topple the Andrew Jackson statue outside or near the White House, and D.C. police intervened, and, but there needs to be consequences. These, these people are breaking the law when they do it. And the law needs to be upheld. We just cannot devolve into the rule of the mob. And it's kind of a lazy thing because if you really wanted it, you you could um, uh, campaign for people who wanted to remove the statues or somehow using political power to make your case to have the statue removed, uh, either taken down completely or removed from the spot where it stood. Uh, but, you know, I guess the question is, where does it end? I mean, everybody's going to have a problem with somebody's statue, for, and, and some group, especially these days, there will be some groups out there who have come, come up with uh, a reason to hate whatever statue you put up. Well, you know, I think it's going to end when people can come together and have conversations about what it means to be an American and what we're willing to defend. I mean, again, there's a lot of people who don't, like America, period. They really do believe that America has been a fundamentally unjust country. And the question is, is there still a supermajority of people who that America is imperfect, as any nation is, but it is fundamentally just. I think it's out there. And eventually that supermajority will coalesce politically. Uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have conversations uh, about particular statues or particular people. But the idea that everybody associated with the American founding who doesn't meet woke standards today isn't worthy of veneration is basically an assault on everything in being American. Um, the the this cancel cancer uh, I'm sorry cancel culture I, I don't get the feeling that it existed in the middle of the 19th century um, or even 50 years ago, um, and I. Uh, um, you wonder if, if this was ever much of an issue back in those days where there were people who didn't like a statue. For I mean, you mentioned King George, but that was that was a, an uprising. I'm just talking about, you know, just in general, people coming up with reasons to remove statues. I wonder if it was an issue back then, ever. Is it social know, media adding to this, or what is it? Well, I think certainly that there's some sense of immediacy that social media and media attention plays for 
for this, and that there are people who, even if they remain somehow anonymous, be a weird pleasure from seeing an act of destruction publicized. But you know, we've had deep divisions before. You know, when we had the election of 1860, there was no such thing as a state ballot. So to declare yourself as a Republican, to hand out the privately produced ballots was to risk ostracism or physical assault, which is why Abraham Lincoln got no votes in Alabama. Uh, whether mm-hmm. the people may not have been to vote for him, but they weren't willing to risk physical assault because of the 19th century sense of mob justice and cancel culture. So it's a human phenomenon, but I do think that the immediacy of the media is fueling in this particular sense. Yeah. Is, is this mostly, though, now about an unwillingness to understand the times uh, in which these people lived? I mean, uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, they were born into slave ownership, uh, the same as slaves were born into slavery, and they grew up in a world where slavery was accepted, and they happened to be lucky enough to be born on the right side of it. You know, is it expecting too much uh, of them to ex- uh, people to expect them to be as enlightened back then as people living 200 years in the future? I mean, is you know, is that fair? Every every generation looks at the past and says, "Why weren't you more like us, and aren't we so perfect?" Yeah, <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they look back and said, you know, why is it that, you know, the English, you know, why, why is it that the English didn't see how wonderful and uh, obvious uh, the self-evident truths are? Why didn't they see that in 1589 as opposed to 1789? Uh, I do think the question is, do you think America is, no matter how imperfect, fundamentally a just place, and that it has fundamentally been a decent place for uh, for most of its history? The answer is yes, and you have to draw a line around people like Washington and Jefferson. I think things like they do at Monticello, when they talk about Jefferson's accomplishments, they also talk about slavery, which they didn't do when I first went to Monticello in the mid-1980s. I think that's a fair compromise, but the idea that anyone who doesn't meet woke standards is consequently needs to be written out of history, that is revolutionary visionism that thinks that America is a hateful place, and I don't believe that, and I don't think most Americans believe that. And is it, it seems to be lost on protesters that people represented by the statues they're pulling down, uh, even though they weren't perfect, uh, they made it possible for them to pull the statues down. Uh, in a, you know, a country where they're able to do it. The very fact that we can have these freedoms and that we can talk about racial equality as a desirable goal is because of the thoughts and the deeds of people like Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Grant. And if you don't recognize that, then you're really not connected to reality, that there was no way to get to where we are today without where they went back then. Now, I'm going to sneak up on you with something here, Henry. I'm going to, I'm going to read a quote to you. I'm talking to Henry Olson, the Washington Post, wrote a column about this, the absurdity that uh, the tearing, of statues has come, tearing down of statues has come to. This is a quote. Uh, I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the black and white races. That I am not nor have ever been in favor of making voters of jurors, voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between the white and black races, which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality. And inasmuch as they cannot so live, while they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior, inferior, and I, as much as any other man, am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race. What would you think about a guy who had a statue uh, uh, made uh, for him that said that? Do you think it should be torn down, or you think the people who are tearing well, them down that should... that was what Abraham Lincoln said in one of his debates against Stephen Douglas. I forget whether... That's exactly what he said, debate. yep. He was yep. he was accused of of saying that he thought white um, white people and uh, black people were equal, and he was he mm-hmm. was making his case that I never said that. Don't bl- don't accuse me of that. Right, and then there's the question of at the, at that time was it possible for somebody who advocated for the full equality of the races in a democratic election, even in the North? And the answer is no. Um, so Lincoln either believed that, in which case he was clearly a man who was imperfect, uh, every man is imperfect, but clearly imperfect and consistent with principles, or he told 
what Plato would have said was a noble lie, which is that he didn't believe it, but he knew he had to lie in order to embed the greater truth that the black man is a human being, and that once you realize that, you would start to move to the conclusions mm-hmm. of, well, maybe they should be jurors, maybe they should be allowed to vote, maybe they should be allowed to intermarry and stuff. All things that happened in the North after the Civil War was won, even in his home state of Illinois. So, yes, it was a, it is, I wish he didn't have to say that. I found it a heinous and repugnant statement. But in 1858 in Illinois, it was probably the thing that he had to do in order to make sure that the greater cause, the cause of human equality and the cause of equality between the races at an essential level became politically salient and possible. It was a noble lie. Yeah, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm impressed that you, you recognize that quote. Most people would never recognize that uh, as something said by Abraham Lincoln, but um, it, to me it shows that the way people thought of the races back then, it was accepted, and um, it's, it wasn't considered um, evil to feel that way. That's just, that was the ignorance of the time. That's just the way they felt. That's the way it was. Yeah, and I would and, say that even if Lincoln, you know, there were people who would have disagreed with that, but they were nowhere near a majority. And Lincoln yeah. trying to win an election rather than make a debating point was put in a position where if he takes the pure position, the right position, uh, then the person who doesn't see the black man as uh, a basically human being, Stephen Douglas, wins. Uh, so sometimes you have a choice between the lesser, you know, ma- making a bad choice to advance a good goal or making... Uh, or making a good choice to advance a bad goal indirectly. Hey, I think hey, Henry, I, did the right thing. I'm uh, completely out of time. I'm up against a hard break here. Henry Olson, uh, see the column at the Washington Post website. Thanks for coming on. Hope to have you on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, that's Henry Olson of the Washington Post. We'll be right back. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad is a very funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis who becomes an overnight social media phenomenon, only to turn away from God and his family. But when he's confronted with a newfound friendship and the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. Some of these things I just can't fix without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce, as well as Grammy singer, YouTube star Jamie Grace, and War Room's Karen Abercrombie. It will inspire you to find the life-changing value of the Bible. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code MOVIE to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code movie it's totally normal to be constipated with belly pain straining and bloating again and again no way maybe it's occasional constipation maybe it's not you could have a chronic condition called irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or ibsc linzess or linaclotide is a prescription that treats ibsc in adults 
Linzess works differently than laxatives to help relieve belly pain and let you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Maybe it's not occasional constipation. Learn more at linzess.com or call 1-800-L-I-N-Z-E-S-S. You may be able to talk to a doctor online. Visit linzess.com, sponsored by Allergan and Iron. Gold. It's soaring. Are you missing it? If you have an IRA or 401k, you probably are. Less than 1% hold physical gold. We've been told by Wall Street it's for crazy people. Really? What's crazy about an asset that beats stocks two to one? I'm Adam Barada. National best-selling author of the book, Gold is a Better Way, owner of Advantage Gold, an Inc. 5000 member, and highest-rated gold IRA firm in the world. Gold is booming because gold is really about debt, and global debt is a pandemic. If you have an IRA or 401k, I want to give you my book for free. That's right, free. Text GOLD to 49776. That's the word GOLD to 49776. Learn why gold will outperform pumped-up stocks from this point forward. Turn your IRA into a wealth growth machine. Text the word GOLD to 49776. It's time to stop being crazy. Text GOLD to 49776. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I'm going to give you a little uh, quick uh, quick little bit of breaking news here. On Monday, 15 FBI special agents conducted numerous interviews regarding the situation at Talladega Speedway. After a thorough review of the facts and evidence surrounding this event, we have concluded that no federal crime was committed. The FBI learned that garage number four, we talked about this at the opening of the show, where the noose was found was assigned to Bubba Wallace last week. The investigation also revealed evidence, including authentic video confirmed by NASCAR, that the noose found in garage number four was in that garage as early as October 2019. Although the noose is now known to have been in garage number four in 2019, nobody could have known Mr. Wallace would be assigned to garage number four last week. The decision not to pursue federal charges is proper after reviewing all available facts and all applicable federal laws. We offer our thanks to NASCAR, Mr. Wallace, and everyone who cooperated with this investigation. And how about everybody who believed it immediately and just ran with it? Uh, most people did. Most people in the media did. I'm disappointed in myself for not having the guts to say I thought it was a hoax from the first minute I saw it, which I did. But you know now, it ain't true. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.